Okay, now we are going. Chris Cohen, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Yeah? Yeah. Where, where are you at? That looks like a pretty cool house you're in. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm in Altadena. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the Dinas, man. Pasadena, Altadena. <laughs> I'm all for it. Dina dogs. <laughs> I almost I almost ended up in Pasadena. It reminds me so much of Santa Barbara. And then I was like, is that maybe that's a maybe that's a problem. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't want to quite hear you. There's all these cars going by. Wait, see that again? Oh, um, I almost moved to Pasadena and I feel like that was almost a problem because it looked too much like Santa Barbara. And maybe I'm not oh. getting enough maybe I'm not being adventurous enough. Was that where you're from? Yeah, I'm in Santa Barbara right now. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it is, I guess it's kind of like Santa Barbara. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the mountains and stuff. Totally. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> cool. Are you, are you uh, what are you up to these days? Dude, uh, a lot of music stuff in the background. There's guitar cases and stuff. Yeah, I got my roads. Oh, sweet. That's why I've been, uh, I've been writing on my roads a lot more than my guitar. Like, I just feel like stumbling on chords on the piano have, has led to more inspiration than like a guitar, you know? I don't know. Where are you yeah. at with that? Um, that's I'm I'm actually that's that's kind of how I've been too. I'll show you. This is my this is my piano that I write on. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's it's um, I like I kind of know I don't really know how to play piano and yeah, I, so I I do things that I you know that are mistakes and then I figure them out and. <laughs> That's been my process. It's, yeah. But I also think it has its limits too, because I'm like, I don't have the facility. I find myself maybe starting to fall into patterns that that are like as bad as the patterns I have on guitar. So then I got to switch back. Mm. So. Yeah. Uh, just keeping, just keeping it fresh. And, and I feel, I feel the exact same way now that I get on the piano, like, Oh, I've written a lot of songs. I kind of go, F to E minor to D minor to C, you know, because they're just like right next to yeah, each other, the and they o- and the white keys, and they always sound <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, it's like sugar. Totally. Um, yeah. I, I, another thing I've noticed from people is that like during the quarantine, people have felt like pretty unmotivated. Like, how have you stayed motivated during all of this? Um. Well, I mean, I think I'm, maybe I'm. I don't know. I'm uh, not necessarily motivated about the same things that I would have been otherwise, but. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if it's important for me to like do, I don't know. I mean, what what am I trying to say? My, my perspective has changed that, uh, I don't, I don't have to, I'm not, I don't, I don't have any responsibilities as far as music goes right now. Yeah. So it's kind of, um, I'm motivated to just, I guess, take care of more immediate things that seem like they really need doing as opposed to like creating a whole new thing that doesn't already exist. Yeah. Dealing with things that are already here in front of us. Totally. Um, so yeah, it's a different kind of motivation, I guess. And yeah. I, yeah, I haven't had this, they don't seem, they don't seem to be the same avenues for music mm. that there have been otherwise. So totally. It is, yeah, it's different for sure. It's totally different. Yeah, I know a lot of people who felt like they haven't been able to write this year. Have you had any struggles trying to write, or are you just not even putting that pressure yeah. on yourself? I've been actually when I do sit down to write, I feel really inspired, and mm. I'm like, I like. I feel like I love more music more than ever. Um, but I don't find my I don't find the occasion for it as much as I was 
before, but I think that's okay. You know? Yeah. I was really busy touring like right up until COVID started. Um, so I was ready for a pause anyway. Personally. Totally. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Like I have a, I have a record that's going to come out and like, if I didn't have a record that was already like done, yeah. I would have been like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm running out. Yeah. I'm like four songs. I've written four songs this year. And before like two weeks ago, I had three. So like, that's better. I mean, that's, I mean, it's quite, you know, quality, not quantity. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you got songs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you did release a record last year then, right? Or was that this year? Yeah. Uh, no, that was last year. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, it came out. It came out um, March last year. Okay, that's yeah, right. Wow. And and how was the process of making that record? Did you do it yourself or? It was it was a combination of do it yourself and and then and then some collaborating and help from other people. Like uh, it was. I did it faster. I mean, I still work pretty slow, I think, by other people's standards. But for my standards, I did it a little bit faster than other ones, which had taken me, other ones take me like three years. This one, I think it took me two or something in terms mm. of the actual recording of it. I think I spent like a year writing it. And then, uh, yeah, I did it. I did it in my home studio. Not, it's not actually at my home. It was at someone else's house, but it was like in a, like a garage studio. Yeah. I did it in there, and then um, and I had a few people come in and, and add things. Um, a couple members of my touring band, cool, and a oh, saxophonist, and I had someone help me mix it. And yeah, so it was a little bit. It was a little bit more, um, a little faster, a little bit like less insane. Than my yeah. other ones in terms of the work of it all being on me. Do you think? Uh, do you think the songs change a lot? Like now with your touring band, does your touring band get to see these songs, or before you go into the studio, or? Um, they usually they usually don't hear them until they're like done. Okay. Um, I mean, sorry, but on this last record, one of the songs I tracked, um, we tracked the rhythm section live. Mm. I played drums, um, and so that one. They learned it from a demo. Got and it. I think it didn't have. I forget. It probably didn't have lyrics yet. I usually, I've, I've been writing the lyrics at the end. So yeah, when my band hears it, it's kind of, it's it's usually pretty done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, lyrics. Your lyrics are always so like. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Like thoughtful. Not to say that other people's lyrics aren't thoughtful, but I feel like you do put a lot of thought into your lyrics and you say you do them at the end. I usually do them at the end too, but like how much thought goes into them? Is it kind of like if it fits with the melody, it goes in or are there stories? Um, I, I try to, I try to write from like the mood, the mood and actual rhythm of the music. Mm -hmm. Um, and some imagery might come up or something from the from the chords or something will come up and um and then it takes and then it's just a lot of a lot of revising and i spend yeah i spend like a really really long time and then um usually i show them to kate my partner and she Mm -hmm. she's she uh usually gives me really 
very like strong feedback and yeah just kind of like my edit it's kind of when something's bad she'll tell me yeah <laughs> and she'll tell me like if something's good and then and then basically i write a lot and i throw most of it away a lot of my a lot okay. of, i really don't consider myself a lyricist um it's sort of like i'm just cobbling it together from the sound of the of the melody like the trying to trying to fit the the melodies are totally composed beforehand totally in my music so it's it's like there's a specific um you know stresses on certain notes like mm. specific uh downbeats and um and i like the words to try to be to sound i like to not change the sound of words from how they would be spoken unless it's really for a reason yeah i mean i guess i probably break that rule sometimes but i generally like want it to sound like a person talking to you or um so so i'm really i'm really like trying to find words that fit really comfortably into the melody that already exists mm. so it's super hard I mean, yeah i don't know where is your process like that it's like yeah for the i like yeah. every time i try to write i'm gonna write a song about this story and i feel like that never comes out the way i want it to or i can't yeah. find the phrasing to make it fit so sometimes yeah. it's just if it sounds good with the melody then i'm just gonna go with it uh mm -hmm. and i find that it's easier to remember those lines the ones that fit organically into uh -huh. the melody uh, do you find that yeah. that the, your lyrics are maybe a little easier for yeah. to learn on stage? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really true. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. And the ones that were like where I had to like sit there and count it out and like fit yeah. it into, those are the ones that I always kind of like uh, like never sure if I'm singing it right or yeah, <laughs> I change it or just. I, but it's interesting. I mean, um, like I I think that for me the process of lyrics and music is like a it's it's circular because. Um, you know, you're fitting the words to this pre-existing melody, but then you're also, you might find something you like better, and then you ch and then you go and change the melody. So it's it's not like it's like one thing is set in stone. It really is like each element influences the other. Um, and I think all, I mean I think all the parts of for me all the parts of music are like that. Like you you have a song, and then you're like, oh, I've got this really cool drum fill. Mm -hmm. So you change the song, you know, maybe it doesn't fit, but you change the song because you're like, that feel is cool. Totally. It's as if, you know, the way that we know people would work together, there's like a compromise between all the different um, elements that each each kind of want, maybe want to do something that doesn't fit. And if it's good, you got to, you got to accommodate. Totally. We're, uh, we're drums. Know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Were drums the first thing you learned? Yeah. Yeah. I started drums really young. Mm. Um, and then I, I started playing guitar when I was about 11. Oh, sister had a guitar. She was taking lessons and she went away for the summer and I, there was a guitar in the house and I just started playing it. And, um, and then I got a four track and basically kind of, I looked at the other instruments that sort of like, okay, well, I want to make a whole song. Basically I think of myself as a drummer. Or songwriter, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I want to make a, I want to make a recording of the whole band. So I got to learn how to play guitar and bass. But I always looked at those as like, I was learning those just in order to make the whole thing, yeah. not so much like I want to be a guitar player or a bass player. I really want to be a drummer. Yeah, same. Yeah, I started playing drums when I was 12. Oh, sweet. Okay, you were a drummer first. Yeah, I yeah. think it. I think it like makes. I don't know. I think it's an easier transition, and you know how to like explain to your future drummers. 
yeah. exactly what you want versus like trying i've had i've been in bands where they're just like the, the guitar players just like mimic mimicking the beat they want <laughs> it's just like uh but it's having that ability to conversate and and explain yourself a lot bit better that i think really benefits a songwriter yeah i think it's also i mean just uh it's like you have a you see the master plan of the whole song mm. from behind the drum set you see the whole song in a way that no one else does and it's like you're i don't know i guess it's probably a cliched analogy but like the uh you're like building the it's the frame it's the like it's the bones of the music or totally yeah and um you have this like different kind of larger view of it i feel like Mm -hmm. i feel like when i'm playing drums i can really hear a song and you can tell what's working or not or you can like you're really like you're in charge of like the dynamics, the really like the the bigger picture macro yeah of the song in a way that when you're playing guitar you're like you're more just filling in or something like that. And then, yeah. Yeah, I really I think, when I'm playing drums I hear the song. I think because drums are such a physical instrument that your mind can like wander a little, you know, that's where you kind of, that's when, that's when you fuck up at the show is like, cause I'm like thinking about something else, but, uh, yeah. And then, um, guitar is so much thinking and you're singing and you're thinking of the chords and everything that, yeah, you, I think you're open to feeling the song and understanding the song a little bit better because it's just physical and you you don't have to do a, you know, a lot more than just that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I meant to ask you, are you hearing me okay? Because I there's always I there's so many trucks. But... Okay. Yeah, you sound great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, drums. I saw a video of you playing drums. Do you play drums live in your band? Or is it um the first the first like year or so that I was touring for after um Overgrown Path, I was I was playing drums mm-hmm. live. Um and then after that I switched. When I moved out to LA, I think back to LA, I switched because uh, I felt like I couldn't sing well enough. Yeah. Or play drums. <laughs> it was really it, hard to hear your vocals on stage. I was always out of tune. Yeah. Well, because the drum monitors aren't meant for vocals, really. Yeah. They're they're like meant for yeah. hearing the bass drum. Yeah. If I I mean probably if I did the in ear monitors maybe I could have. Mm. Um, I can't bring myself to do that for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Have you used them you at all? Those? No, no. I feel like that's like no, that's like Tame Impala shit. I feel like I'm not there yet. Yeah, I know. But a lot of bands that we play with, not. I mean, I'm, there there are like lesser known bands that mm. are. You know, I think like a, a lot of people use those now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they're, they're more. I, I'm seeing them a lot, but I, uh, I just something about having, having like having something shoved in your ear made makes me feel like I would be disconnected or something. Mm. Also don't like the way it looks. Yeah. yeah. I had like long hair. I would wear. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Might as well just for studio headphones on stage, man. I know. I thought about that. Yeah. (laughs) It does. It looks like you're looking good with this. Oh yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. I don't have speakers yet. I just bought this new computer, this desktop and I don't have like speakers yet, but even Uh, then I don't think because I record uh, my vocal just through like a H six, like a portable zoom thing. So I can get a nice clean audio and uh, uh, worry about, I'll worry about yours and post, you know, trying to get some of the stuff uh, together. But uh, yeah, stuff like that. Like, you know, I just haven't 
But maybe, yeah, maybe we maybe we use cans on on stage. You know, I'm open yeah. to. That'd be better. <laughs> do you do you feel I mean, more? It... Oh, oh sorry. sorry, I was just gonna ask if you felt more comfortable in the studio or on stage. Um, I mean, I still probably I don't know. There's so there there. Are, I don't know if I can compare. I feel comfortable both places. Yeah. They're, they're um, they're like I just think of them as like completely different things but i mean i really like doing both yeah hopefully i wouldn't it would be hard for me to give up either i mean i guess i have given up <laughs> but um for now we all have but um, yeah but but yeah I, I i i really um i feel like just recording and not and not performing would be i would miss i would i would, I would be missing something musically because i feel like i um i just i do different things it's a different mentality and like, mm. I, uh, I learn a lot by playing in real life with other people. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I I definitely feel like I don't I don't know. Maybe this is me projecting on the people, but I feel like it splits people sometimes. People are like, "Oh, I'd rather be in the studio, or I'd rather be touring." And I think I think yeah. Yeah. yeah um, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I didn't start touring until I was in like my late twenties. Oh. Um, and I had already, I'm trying to think, I mean, like it was, it's not like I was like, I don't know, I, was, I, I never got like, I don't know, that's not true. I was going to say I never got burned out onto a room. I mean, yeah. I have, but I think, I think that um, uh, it's, I've always, I was, I guess maybe my point was, I was excited when I finally got to go on tour. I was like, yes, I'm finally, yeah, I'm finally a real band or whatever. When I joined Deerhoof, um, or I guess a little bit before that, the curtains was touring a little bit. Cool. Um, when we finally like went on tour, I was. It felt like it was so. I felt like I'd been waiting for so long to be able to just play music every day. Yeah. And get like the practice of it, you know. And um, so yeah. So so like, um, I, it wasn't like. I didn't feel like I was like sacrificing something. Like I think some people feel like, like they're like sacrificing the sound of their music when they have to like um, play shows and have their have their sound be out of their control. And um, but I don't know. I, don't, I mean, it can be ter- it, a lot of times. It is really terrible. Um, like the sound of you know music. I don't like the way that music sounds at, at a lot of shows. Yeah. To be honest, I'm yeah. really critical of it. But I also. It's more. It's about so much more than that, and sometimes it does sound really good. And it's fun to learn about, like how to navigate all the different spaces you're in. And um, I just think it's so interesting when there's so many variables. You know? Totally. Whereas, whereas in the studio, it's easy to just kind of get into your own head, and and everything seems to be under your control in a way. <laughs> what's what's your advice for like uh you know i feel like when people record themselves they find them they find that they're kind of stuck or the the project is never finished what's uh, how, yeah yeah how do you get out of that what's your tips for people because i know a lot of people who listen to this are in bands so um, yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> um let me think um i mean i think that i'm always at risk of that too and i i mean i guess i've I've finished a bunch of albums, but I mean, there's always the chance that I won't finish one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have advice for people, but I could relate, you know, a few experiences I've had. Like one is it like I've, I've made records that I wasn't, 
that I'm not as proud of now um, that at the time I remember thinking like, we just have to get this done. Yeah. I don't think that's a good headspace to be in. I think it's, I think the ideal is to just stay always, um, to always stay in the place of like, we don't have to do this. Nothing is a given like, you know, well, taking each thing as it comes and, and like being, being ready to say like, Hey, this isn't working. Yeah. And try something else at any time, even, even up until the very end, which is as you get closer to the end, I, in my experience, that gets harder and harder to have that kind of mindset. And at a certain point you're like, okay, I'm going to finish this. Yeah. You know, and like, there, there are some things I have to just like let go of or whatever. I don't know. I mean, some people never, yeah, some people, um, some people really struggle with that and some people don't. And I think it is kind of a curse in a way that we are recording ourselves so much and not having the help of experts or the support of... Um, and un- unlimited tracks. <laughs> yeah, unlimited tracks and unlimited time. But, I mean, you have to look at your the time of your life as being extremely valuable. And, like, mm-hmm. um, and like if you, you... You can't spend 30... I mean, you can, I guess, but... I mean, you can't spend 30 years making your, like, masterpiece. You could, you can, sorry. Yeah. You can, but, like, you know, like, um, like, I'm just saying our time isn't, our time is not unlimited, and, um, and, like, a person isn't naturally going to be, like, good at everything, necessarily. I mean, some mm-hmm. people are more so, more so than others, but, like, you know, like, who said that musicians are supposed to also be engineers, like, you know... Yeah. They're supposed to be able to like provide their own um, mental health, and they're supposed to be. I mean, nowadays everybody. It's this isn't just music. This is about everything. Everything in this world these days. I'm sure we, everybody watching this, and you have noticed, like we're expected to fucking do everything for free. Yeah, we're being turned into the machines of the ruling class and do everything faster, cheaper more you know we're, we're disposable it's it's i mean i think i mean i don't want to get honest. no go ahead I, I, go I ahead. can go I, i'm really negative about this but but my point is just that like you know value i think my maybe my advice to, to people doing home recording is just like do the parts that are fun that you that you're interested in that you feel like you're good at and value your own time and your peace of mind and like just don't take that. Don't look at it like you're. You have to provide content for like our overlords because totally they're never gonna. You know that's that doesn't work. It's never sat. They're never satisfied, man. No, they're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think ultimately it's just about it's about your own. It's about your 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 experience as a human being, like making this stuff. It's about your connection to other people, the people that you're making it with, the people who are listening, or your other your um your um the members of your cohort as you know musicians like it's about our connections to each other um and our and our own you know quest as as uh sentient beings. yeah totally and what do you think of uh i guess this kind of falls along with this what the ceo of spotify said if musicians want to make a living they need to pump out more than one album every three years um I mean, I think he ought to justify his own existence. Or, <laughs> yeah. I think they ought to, they ought to justify their own existence yeah. and not be talking about 
the people that they're exploiting. Totally. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot of people. A lot of people on this yeah. podcast have said fuck that guy. So I'm, I'm okay. I think um, I think you yeah. know. Yeah, Spotify's in a weird place where, from what I've been told by other people, is that they're everyone's waiting for them to fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like that's why nobody else is like they'd be, really. They'd be replaced by someone else. Totally, I mean, he would probably be even worse. I don't know. Who knows? There, I there was something great about streaming that it kind of stopped people from illegally downloading music, but now it just yeah. seems it's the power has shifted to we're being exploited again. It's just yeah, like, I think, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, people. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's not like it's not just music. Yeah, it's just like it's like every. I think power, power. I mean, it seems like power just has a way of always, re, reframing the conversation so that it's, it's they. All, I mean, you know, people. Some some people are always going to try to win. You know? Yeah. And um, I don't know. I'm not sure what we can do about that you know but i guess everything that we do is sort of you know can be an act of of um resistance or or affirmation of our of our ethics yeah but i don't know yeah i really don't know how to win i mean i know that there's you know that there are um, i was reading about um streaming services that are cooperatively owned like i know that there's this one i think it's called resonance if i'm not mm. mistaken it's like from iceland mm. and uh, i'm sure that there are you know there i mean there are definitely alternatives you know but i don't know i don't know what makes sense i mean i mean also just going back to like the thing of like streaming and downloading and stuff i mean like i i um we just we just moved and we started with um with at&t who i guess really monitors um yeah uh, th- and the, the person that came out to install it was like yeah, you can't really, you can't really tone it anymore. Yeah. And I was like, cause I, I mean, that is, so, so I like, I have Spotify now cause I wanted to learn how everybody else is doing it. And I, I mean, there's things that I like about it a lot because I want to be able to just check things out and mm-hmm. listen to anything I want anytime. Those are the, that's the beauty of it, obviously. But, um, I, before that I was really into downloading, um, on, um, soul seats. Hmm. Um, which is really great. I really like what that. What is that? Yeah, what was that? It was, um, it's an older, um, it's a peer-to-peer network. It's kind of like Napster or something. Cool. But it's, it's, there's like a lot of people on it and it's, it's really like great stuff. Like you can find anything you want there. Yeah. Um, it works really well. And the software is like ancient. So it, like it runs, it's super simple and it runs really fast. I love SoulSeeks and um, I download stuff, but then, you know, like I buy things when I, when you want to support someone, obviously there's a million ways to do it. You can, um, you know, and I'm being like you, you know, like we're, we're, we're music workers too. So yep. we can't always afford to like buy everything we want to hear. It's research that we need for our own music. I take that mm-hmm. as a right of a musician to be able to claim any music that they want to hear. Musicians should get to, I mean, like I, okay. Like I think that music has value, like music is, um, if if we live in a, if we live under capitalism and everything has a value as a commodity, then obviously music should too. Yeah. Right. But I also think that um, it should be available to those who need it for research. People people who don't have the means to pay for it should be available to everybody. But um, but I don't know how to do that. So yeah. I mean, I think if anybody has, and you music- should try smarter stuff. 
and music is so hard because it's invisible. You know, it's hard to put a price on something that's yeah. just because it's invisible. Yeah. It's just it's just out there. It's auditory. Well, about, yeah, yeah. I know that's like so many things though. I mean, like, rent, yeah. what is rent? Yeah, what is rent? Yeah, the, I yeah. ask the same question. I have the same feelings around that too. Like, what am I paying yeah. for? I think I think that it's like, no music. I mean, I don't know what's what's the right what's the right thing. I mean, you know, before I guess before capitalism, what did we have in the West? We had, or I don't know, probably all over the world, we've had like you know, sort of like court like musicians were there's like patronage. Um, and then there were people that just made music for themselves, for each other, without, um, you know, without trade, maybe, or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they traded. But I don't know. I, it's weird how none of us can remember back before a couple hundred years ago. Totally. You know, we know about dinosaurs, but we don't know, like, what did musicians do 800 years ago? That would be a great research research project. <laughs> so, like, it's true. The livelihood of... How, how do musicians? I, mean, I know that people do. We, we need to. I guess musicians should. We should find out about that. Yeah, we need to find out about our own history, man, because we're yeah. doomed to repeat it, and most likely we already have. We've already yeah. repeated the past I mean, mistakes. Yeah, yeah. I don't but know. It's, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's funny to. I mean, I, to me, just because like it's like what I grew up with, you know, sort of the golden. It's like what I think of like a sort of the golden age. Just this is just based on my own. Um, nostalgia, my own like mm-hmm. my own autobiography, my own biography or whatever. But um, there was like to me, it's like there's like this golden age of capitalism, of like music under capitalism, where like they hadn't quite figured out how to really control it, and there were like these weird, you know, blooms of like, um, you know, like people doing great stuff, and nobody knew how to how to, you know, monetize it, or like when you look at you know underground music movements before they were before they were con- brought under control um so like to me I, in my mind i'm sadly i feel like i'm hooked on this um this sort of like uh frontier mentality of like of like right before right before um uh things became before musicians lost control but it's still under capitalism you know that's kind yeah. of like the mindset that i live under and I'm trying to, I want to change that, but I still, yeah. can, you know, like I grew up with like top 40, you know, and, um, and I'm, you know, I come from like my, my, uh, my dad worked in the music industry. So like, I have this mindset of like, I, I always think, and I'm hooked on, you know, I'm hooked on records and I'm hooked on these commodity, commodified music and making music in that system still to me is like, I want to just, part of me just wants to go back to like being, 70s or 80s or whatever which was just that just happened to be the time when i felt okay about everything but that was also like just because i didn't i was uneducated but that was that's the time that's the mindset that i live in sadly i'm trying to get out of it (laughs) yeah where we think about artists from the 60s and 70s like Oh, you just make records, you tour, and you make money. Of of course, right. there was artists being taken advantage of, but it seemed easier. They didn't have social media. It was just get in yeah. the van and hit the road, and something can happen. Like what? What's your time? Like, how old are you? I'm thirty. Now? I just turned thirty. Okay. So, okay. So you're born ninety. Ninety. Yeah. So, so like, how do you? What's the mindset? That, or like, what's what's the ideal situation in your coming from where you're coming from yeah ideally 
this is my fantasy. This has always been my fantasy. I want to be signed to a label. I want yeah. the label to, you know, pay for everything, and then I just go do yeah. my part, which is hit yeah. the road and do well and social media stuff because I grew up on the internet, so I'm not like opposed to social media right. stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, what's what's an example of a band that's that you, doing that? No, that, no, I mean that was oh. like that, or like mm. in, like what's that? Yeah, the Strokes were probably the biggest band for people my age. Oh yeah, we, we all saw the Strokes and we're like, oh, they're doing it their way, and they're yeah. really good, and they're writing good pop songs, and it doesn't seem like it was fresh coming out of like In Sync. Yeah, right. and then the Strokes kind of woke you up, and I think the last generation, I think that was like Nirvana. Uh huh. And so there was Nirvana, and then there was the Strokes. I think that kind of. I changes. thought I thought Nirvana was a sellout when they came oh, out. Oh really? Or not a sellout? But to <laughs> me, they were like, I was really into grunge music. Before. Or like I was really into like Dinosaur Jr. Oh yeah, and I remember um, I, I went to see Dinosaur Jr. and Nirvana and Hole play oh. at the um, Hollywood Palladium. Yeah, um, Dinosaur Jr. was the headliner. Hole opened and Nirvana was in the middle, mm. and um, I was I went up to the front. I was right in the front because I wanted to get a good spot for Dinosaur Jr. And then Nirvana came on and I was like, oh, these guys <laughs> like they were just blowing up. Yeah, I got like I got like totally like. I was like in the pit, <laughs> like trying to escape the pit. But I, remember, I, I just, I, when they came out, just to show you how differently, like, yeah, all these things, like, I was like, uh, these like major label guys, like, kind of like stealing this like cool thing that I thought was, yes. You know, only, um, but now looking back on it, I can see how they really, like, I think they really struggled with, or at least I think Kurt Cobain, I don't know about those other two guys, but. And Kirk Cobain really, um, you know, he obviously really struggled with that. And, um, and, uh, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Oh, but, you know, wait, but going back to the strokes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because, like, they, um, back in that era, like, there was so much money for bands like that. I mean, or, and Nirvana, too. Like, totally. Those kind of, like, with that level of success, they were like, I'm sure they all, like, bought mansions and shit. Yeah. It was right before, especially the Strokes was that 2002, 2003, the Napster yeah. was like kind of there. I was downloading music then, but like, yeah. yeah. I, I was living, I mean, at that point I was like totally, I was just coming out from like being totally ignorant about like contemporary music. Mm. I, I was just like, uh, Deerhoof was just starting to get a little bit more attention and we were like touring and stuff. And like, I had never even, I, I don't even think I heard the Strokes yeah. at all during that time. I didn't realize how much things were changing. And I just wondered, I was like, I remember like 2002, I would go see Deerhoof before I joined them. And there'd be like 10 people there. Yeah. And then 2003, when I was in the band, and, we would, and there would be like a lot of people at shows. And I was like, whoa, something's really changing, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. I really could feel it in that, at that level, but I had no idea what it was. And I, yeah, I guess it's probably bands like The Strokes probably bringing rock music into a, or bringing underground rock music into a, consciousness yeah because right before that it was like i said in sync backstreet boys blink 182 which was also just like more pop yeah. music to me that was never i never yeah. thought that was oh this is real punk music like it was like okay. yeah. that's like what they want us to think punk music is and then uh around that yeah. time it was right when my uncle who was only i was in a band with my cousins for all of high school yeah. 
So uh, my uncle, who also was only a year older than me, but um, okay. he was really into Fugazi. So like oh, yeah. that, he turned me on to like a bunch of stuff. And then okay. I was like, oh, I should stop listening to the, the modern rock station in Santa Barbara, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, we all have our like our, our mentor figures. Who is your mentor figure? Um, I mean, I mean, I've had. I mean, over the years, there's always been like somebody that that was like, you know, um, when I was really little, I remember this kid across the street um, playing like playing Devo on his. Um, he had like a little boombox, and he was he was playing Whip It on, on yeah. his boombox, and that that was like the first music that I really was like, whoa, what is that? And like, yeah, like a fan, and I and like bought all these Devo tapes. He was probably like a mentor. He played drums too. And that's probably why I started playing drums. Mm. Um, he was, he was a mentor to me. It's called Michael. Um, and then, um, well, when I was in, when I was in like, uh, uh, junior high or beginning of high school, um, I met some, some older people that, um, I was at the supermarket and I was wearing a Sonic Youth t-shirt. Yeah. And, um, and this guy who was like ringing us up was like, "Oh, cool! You like Sonic Youth? I'm starting a band, and we're, we're looking for a drummer." And I was like, "I play drums." Yeah. And, and then I like joined this guy's band, and um, his name's Matt. Nice. Um, he was, you know, him and and this all the people I met through through that were, were like were like mentors to me, and they kind of like showed me a lot of cool older um, punk music and LA LA music that I didn't know about, and. Um, the Stooges and cool, like that, and I learned about like Captain Beefheart and yeah, through all them. I'm actually, yeah, one of the, and then yeah, this, there was this guy Rob Zabrecki who was played bass in that band for a second, and he turned me on to Captain Beefheart. Nice, yeah. Was, <laughs> what was your first thoughts when you heard? Did you was it was it just like um, Captain Beefheart? Well, um, was okay. It... I liked Zappa already. Yeah. Okay. And I heard Captain Beefheart. Um, and I thought, like, I wanted to like it because I was like this cool, cool, like older, weirder person told me it was cool. So I was like, I, I know this must be cool. And I'm like, I listened to it a bunch of times, and I was like, it just sounds so. To me, it sounded sloppy, mm. and um, but something about it kept me coming back to it because I just couldn't understand. Well, how did they like? How does everybody know what to do when? <laughs> yeah. How did they practice this music? Because um, it's like too. It's you couldn't just make this stuff up on the spot. I thought. Yeah. And I love the sounds of it. So I was like, I love the guitar sounds and stuff. And then I, I just eventually got really hooked on it. And then, oh, and then another mentor figure, um, this guitar player named Miroslav Tadic, um, he was my guitar teacher for a second um, in high school. I, he mostly, we would, he helped me, uh, he showed me how to build effect pedals. Mm. And he would just make me tapes and stuff, and we would jam together and just do cool. like, blues jam and stuff. He was a mentor figure for me for sure. He made me tapes of Beefheart albums and Eric Dolphy and um, all kinds of world music and blues music. Um, he turned me on to all kinds of good stuff. And, and um, yeah, so mentors. Yeah. Are essential. Do, do you think you're a mentor to anyone? Um, probably. I mean, but it's, I mean, it feels weird. Just, I mean, it feels weird. To, yeah, never, yeah, yeah. You never think that, but I, I think anybody who continues doing music will be a mentor to younger people. Um, a lot of the people I play with are, are younger than me, but they're always turning me on to stuff too. I mean, it goes both ways. Totally. For sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of the younger people that I play with are like crazy deep record collectors 
that are showing me stuff all the time. Uh, yeah, and, and, and with the internet, and like... Oh, sorry, and with the internet and, like, algorithms, like, sometimes a deep cut will just... That's true, yeah. It, it seems then, to, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I'll, I'll take it any from anywhere it comes, totally. you know. It could, it could be playing out of somebody's car. Actually, like, I, like my neighbors were blasting some music um, a while back that I had never heard before, and I shazammed it. Yeah. And, uh, I'll t you know, I love discovering music um, in weird ways. I think Shazam... And I love music with my friends, too. I think Shazam yeah. is one of the most important apps, like, ever. Because you know how it is, long... Yeah, it is amazing. Like, prior to that, I was like, oh, I'd be at the store and be like, what song is this? And then you ask people, do you know yeah. what song this is? And they're just like, no. And it's like, oh, fuck! Yeah. And then you remember there's, one there's lyric. Still, <laughs> yeah. There's still music that I think about that I probably heard somewhere that I never figured out what it was. I mean, it's, in a way, it's cool not to ever find out because you have mm. to... It just stays pure. I mean, there's that, there's that kind of... Um, that kind of music that you uh, you could barely hear, like like maybe you're half asleep or something, or you're like it's coming from the other room and you can't quite make out what it is. Mm -hmm. and somehow it's like it's when you actually hear it, it's not as good as you. <laughs> yeah. the, the music of your mind really is the best. It mm -hmm. is the best, it, and I think that you know when we're making music, it's cool to try to leave some things like that that are that are sub um, subliminal or something. You know, like sounds that you can't quite make out what they are, or a part mm -hmm. that's like you hear it, but but it's it's buried in a way that you can't can't figure it out, or like or like a sound that you is like it kind of sounds like a saxophone, but it's not a saxophone. What is that? Mm -hmm. Like things that are yeah. like sub. Um, I don't know what the word is for that. Like sub perceptual. Yeah. Um, those things I think are really powerful, um, and they have a way of like being un you know unforgettable or something. It's like the songs you have in your dreams. They yeah. sound so good in your dreams. Right. <laughs> and yeah, then you... I mean, Actually, I had, this, I had that experience of having music in my dream. I've, um, I've, I've never had this before. I've always been jealous of people that do, like hearing music in your dreams and then remembering it and bringing it out. Yeah. And um, I had a dream a couple nights ago um, that um, my friend Josh was showing me this chord change. Hmm. And I actually made a point of, because I was sleeping really badly and I kept waking up. So every time I woke up, I was like, I remembered it. Because I, I, it was a simple enough chord change that I remembered it. And I, I, w I woke up in the morning and I played it. And it was not that cool. <laughs> it was really boring. That happens to me. I, like, I'll listen to the voice memo back because I'll wake yeah. up in the middle of the night and be like, ooh, and then it's just, and it's like, okay, yeah. that's nothing. That's fucking nothing. It, like, like one in 20 times it will actually work out. And it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's still yeah, worth doing, but yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you feel like, because you, okay, I, I didn't know you were in Deer Hoof, so maybe that's just something new to me. Do you think people know oh, you as like, oh, you're the you Deer can. Hoof guy, or did, was there a feeling? Yeah, of, I mean, I've gotten that a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, I've gotten that a lot. I mean, when I first, um, when I first left Deer Hoof and I was doing music um, under other, as a person user in Cryptosize, um, those bands would always get compared to Deer Hoof, and I, oh. I felt like I couldn't escape. Um, like I, you know, I felt like I'll never be in, I'll never be in a something that people can just take it at, at face value because I always will have that association. Um, yeah. And I think that I've, I've, I'm like I'm not, I've made my peace with that because I think that, you know, you're always going to have. I mean, if you whatever you did first is always going to be. Yeah. And that wasn't even what I did first, but yeah. whatever people know you as. 
first, for better or worse, you'll be stuck with it. So I think it's a matter of um, taking, accepting that and then kind of like, you have to play off of that somehow. Mm -hmm. To me playing, I mean, I mean, um, Deerha, a lot of, I mean, I'm always just, I've always just tried to make, you know, music that I want to hear, but some of the feedback that I was getting when I first left Deerhoof was like, oh, this is like Deerhoof, but it's not as spastic, or it's not as loud or whatever. Mm. And I mean, you know, I think those elements actually were not, were not my, were not really my contribution to Deerhoof. And I've just, you know, like I've just tried to kind of um, go deeper into what I do, um, which is, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't, my music isn't about, um, isn't about, maintaining this con- deer hook music has been i think to me a cool i mean a key element which is also like really cool i think i'm not this is not something that i'm um that i like think is bad or something but the one of the defining things to me about deer hook music is their um the dynamics and the um extremes of it um and that isn't something that i necessarily am drawn to as a musician mm-hmm. in my own music um like i mean I mean, I'm more interested in, you know, harmony and texture and um, I don't necessarily, that isn't, that isn't what I, I don't think that that was my contribution to give it. So I'm fine with people pointing out that that's not what my music is about. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I also think your voice tonality is, is just so different. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, that like it wouldn't make sense for you to do. I feel like what you're doing now for, suits your voice really well, and it's exactly what you want to do. And yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, um, well, I mean, uh, I didn't really like. I mean, I sang a little bit in Deerhoof, but I didn't really. I didn't. I hadn't had a lot of experience singing, yeah. so um, I'm still kind of trying to figure out what what my voice. I don't really know what my voice is capable of. I wanna, yeah, um, I want to try try to find more. Um, more that I can do with my voice. Yeah, that, I, I, I mean, that's my least developed instrument. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, man. I, I mean, I love working. I love trying to think about. I love trying to learn about singing. Hmm. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to get. That's like a. Oh, I, at least for me, I always love pushing the limits. Like, how high can I go? How low can I go? But ultimately, it's just about melody, like whatever fits the melody. And that's maybe like some of the problems I've had with my past records is that maybe, at least for me, I didn't feel like I did enough vocally. I just kind of purposed the song and sang the melody. Yeah. Uh, Do you have, do you feel like that's what you're doing right now? Is that you're just servicing the song? Or do you want to be a little bit more performative with your vocal? Well, it's always, I mean, it's a performance no matter what you do. I mean, even if you think you're just serving the song, I mean, people read I mean, the listener reads that as a, yeah. oh, this that that was a decision that you made, you know. Yeah, that's true. So I think you're always, it's always performative. Um, uh, I guess I think um, I'm interested. I guess my interest in singing is 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 like the um, what you're like like psychically. Um, like the psychic picture, the pic, the um, what you have in your mind that you're trying to bring out into the into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like um, the, I think of it as like your your thinking, like your um, 
you know, like it, you have these visual visualizations, or I, I find myself visualizing a lot, singing, um, not so much about the words, although that too, but but also just about the sound, about how you're going to produce the sound. And, um, and it's sort of like, um, what am I trying to say? I don't know, like, it's, it's, it's like a mood, it's, the 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 vision the visualizations maybe come out of like your your reading of the mood of the song mm -hmm. like um your personal feelings towards it like if you you're like you know angry or happy or sad or those kinds of things like your emotional reaction to the song and then you're producing this um this like tonal image so i'm just i'm thinking about those kind of i guess they're kind of abstractions but yeah uh, but it's like i just think of my voice as like a synthesizer that you're playing and um you're reacting to the imagery of the of the music i, mean, mm. I don't know if that answers totally no totally yeah i think i think vocals are always the hardest part for people especially like you know if you didn't if if you didn't spend a lot of time singing or maybe you didn't grow up in a house where people sang a lot and and i always tell people the same thing just like you just gotta find your range find what you're comfortable with play with that and then explore but you yeah. have to you still have to get comfortable just like any, in any an instrument you know you have to get comfortable with it and then you can take it to the next level as soon as you feel like okay i'm in a good spot yeah yeah i mean it's kind of i mean like an instrument you it's like you have to um you have to feel really connected to the sound that you're producing and to the to the uh, machinery that's producing it mm -hmm. your, your vocal cords or like your the guitar or the drum heads the drumsticks it's like it's very tactile yeah thing that you have to like really i feel like it's like you're you're making a connection with this physical thing that's producing sound and then you want to you want it to like feed back on itself to resonate and produce the sound that didn't exist before mm -hmm. like, yeah really it's a it's even when you're recording it's it's a performance of like you're really being present in this physical um setup like you're you're trying to like really be there just like at a show you're trying to like really be present in mm -hmm. the particular situation where you're like i'm you know i'm here with these people in this place at this time and um and it's that is the challenge of, of like staying mentally you know always i'm right here what am i doing how am i how am i like presenting in this situation yeah, and with vocals, it's like the one thing you can't like fake. Yeah, like you could fake if you're not having a great night on tour, maybe you don't feel well, and you could still play your guitar part and it'll be fine. Okay. But vocals are like the one. It's like oh, oh. yeah, that's why I think it's so interesting. Yeah, that's why I'm really um, that's why I'm kind of most excited about technically at the moment. Totally. Yeah, I wanted that's to awesome. I wanted to take uh, lessons, not not singing oh. lessons, but I was thinking about. Um, like going to some kind of vocal, like a book, like a, or doing like a speech. I was like, like, a, oh yeah, like Toastmasters. Yeah, you know where you where you learn how to make toasts. <laughs> yeah. Public speaking, a public speaking class, or yeah, I want to learn how to. I, I'm not. I'm really. Uh, I'm like a really soft spoken person, mm -hmm. and I I, I, my, I lose my voice if I try to speak too loud or like speak too much. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I wanted to try to like learn how to 
how to get better control of my, my voice. At least some exercises and how to like maintain it. Like, cause what's your, what's your strategy when you're on tour and you have to sing? Okay, like I do, every yeah, night? I do vocal warm-ups. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good. I have this thing. Um, it's uh, it comes from a, there's a book. I don't have the book. I just have some MP3s of the CD that came with the book. It's called set your voice free by Roger mm. Love. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like scales and it's, it's really basic, but it, it um, I, I try to do it every night. I don't always do it, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, when I do it, it, it always helps. Okay. That's helps interesting. The, Cause I, yeah. The page and, um, you know, like getting your, getting your face to your head to resonate and, mm. and breathing. I mean, that's another thing too. I don't know. If, I mean, I, I find that I'm naturally not a good breather. Like I think yeah. that I, my emotional state is really, I know I can, I can tell where I'm at by how I'm breathing it. If I'm nervous or upset or anxious or something, I breathe yeah. really shallowly and then I don't have, and then when you try to sing or talk, like you don't have the air that you need. And it happens and, to me all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know what that's about, but it's, it's like this, it's like a panic thing. You're just like, have to like hold in my breath or like keep, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's really strange. I don't know. But yeah, I think a lot of people do that. I think so to too. Yeah. 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 The shallow breaths is a problem. I didn't notice it until I was dating this girl. She's like, why are you taking such shallow breaths? I'm like, I am. I'm like, Oh, yeah. okay. Some, yeah. Some people have no problem. Like some people don't do that. And yeah. it's, it's probably crazy when you're like, why is this person holding their breath their entire life? <laughs> it's exactly. true. I kind of wonder if men do it more. Yeah. I, I've never, yeah. I've only heard it yeah. from other men, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to, I used to go to this chiropractor mm. and he was like, he would like kind of like go in through your stomach to do adjustments. Uh-huh. And he was always like, Whoa, you have like your, your stomach is so tight. Like you have to practice like doing um, deep breathing exercises. Mm. And yeah, when I do it, I mean, it really helps with singing, but it also just helps. I think it gets, I think I'm not getting enough oxygen to my brain. <laughs> I think so too sometimes, right? Anytime I'm like watching a show or I hear just hear somebody say, just take a deep breath and I do it, I'm like, oh, that feels good. Yeah. Yeah, we should all probably do it. <sighs> like even doing it now, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. It like brings me back to like reality. I'm like, okay. Oh, this yeah. is what people do. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh what, what on the topic of like mental health and therapy, uh, uh, I feel like that's a big part of what the, you know, I think getting indie musicians or just anyone to start thinking about therapy and mental health. And my big problem that I've had, and I think I've heard other people have, is that they think, oh, I'll just use this. I can use my pain for the music. Oh, uh huh. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. Where are you at with that? Do you go to therapy at all? Or, yeah, um, I'm not right now. Um, I was actually. I, yeah, off and on I have for many years. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think. I mean, I think that that is a dangerous trap to have any kind of. I mean, not just about, you know, trauma or, or pain, but just kind of like having any kind of like formula about your creativity. Like this is where I get my creativity. I mean, you know, I guess I think um, it'd be better not to. Probably better not to. Um, have something quite that simple. It's just seems like it's never going to work all the time. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I mean, everybody, I think everybody has to like find, I mean, it, I mean, I think that creativity does kind of, I mean, my theory about it is that creativity um, definitely flourishes in those like dynamic areas where, where you, where you're struggling or where like there's questions, you know? So like, um, I think, yeah, like people, I mean, I think it's easy. It's, it does seem easier to find your inspiration um, in those kind of like borderline border areas where like things are volatile, you know? But I think that that's always, you can find those in a lot of places. I mean, I mean, just, you know, our basic, existence is like very fraught and um in an ideal world we would you know we wouldn't all be so traumatized and feeling so much pain all the time and i think we would still have our i know that we would still have our creativity totally come from something much much better you know it would come from like just the basic questions totally of of, of existence or just survival i mean i mean i think that um those those conditions exist even in a perfectly healthy person, you know. Those kind of conditions exist, and creativity exists. Like it shouldn't. We don't need pain that yeah. quickly, you know. But I mean, um, yeah. But it's a matter of finding it, mm-hmm. of finding those, finding where your where those edges are, I guess, in your in your life. I think, um, and it sometimes it can be a struggle, or, or it could to main, to try to stay in that place as much as you need to, to be creative mm-hmm. so artists or, you know, yeah. The whole tortured artist like myth. I, I don't really, yeah. Be- yeah. Believe in it. I don't think we believe in it as much. I think social media has taken away some of that, like, you know, secrecy. I think the most secretive artist today is Cass McCombs. Wh- who knows, who knows anything about that guy, you know? And, and I uh, actually, I, I actually, I, I, know, I know something about that guy. <laughs> He's a friend of mine. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, I think, um, well, yeah, those are different things, I guess. Secrecy, or, you know, mystery, like, like, uh, that mysticism, yeah. Mystery, like, how much do you know about a person? And then them finding where their creativity comes from. But I mean, oh, the tortured artist thing, I think, you know, I, I guess my, my theory is that that sort of, is like a, that that serves um, the people who exploit artists. Yeah. Like um, the people who are making money off of mm-hmm. art, most, the people who are making the most money, um, that they, they that myth serves them because, you know, oh, you guys like to just suffer. You don't really need, um, you don't really need to get a fair share. Yeah. That's, to me, that's where that comes from. But then, you know, we also are, a lot of us are, are, are supporting that myth or, maintaining it to some degree and i think we all should be um like you know just double checking ourselves to make sure we're not like just doing that like that we're not serving that uh, yeah that narrative just out of habit or whatever you know? and that's so ingrained into our music culture that we don't want to mm-hmm. ask for money either which is why right. it's so patreon and things like that are so weird for us to like even get into yeah that I, yeah that is really um i've I've really been wondering about that. Yeah. 
uh, what do you what do you think about about Patreon? I just I started one this year. I was one of those guys who was like, "Fuck that! Yeah. I'm not doing. I'm not. I feel weird about asking." But then I slowly yeah. I saw Dent May get a Patreon. I talked to Jerry Paper last week. He's they they're starting a Patreon yeah. and like every everyone's starting one my buddy sam france has a patreon now and i just see yeah. it more and more it's like we can i don't know and me doing one i have found value in it i have found that it's not asking for money it's providing whatever your tiers are whatever your things are like i do a dj mix shout outs on this podcast and uh i'm doing old demo breakdowns like where i break down the demos and i give a little backstory it's like a small podcast and yeah. that feels good. That's like giving and real and yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're especially if you're getting enjoyment out of making out of making this thing anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, my my complicated feelings about Patreon are not. I mean, I don't question the people doing it. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I don't actually think that there's any problem asking for money. Um, and the thing that I really that I really question. Is like, well, do we really need another middle person? Mm. Like, I think you should feel free to. I think we should all make whatever we want to make and try to and sell it if you want, or do whatever you want with it. But it just bums me out that there's like yet another, yet another um, taking their three percent, five percent, opening off exactly. Yeah, like like I wish that we all could have our own actual patrons. You know, yes. like, um, it's not the artists who should feel who should feel guilty. It's fucking Patreon who should feel guilty. Yeah. Why do they think like they act like, oh, we we just want to help artists? Yeah. Why do Why do they not take responsibility for them taking more money from away from artists? Yeah. They, I mean, obviously, if they really wanted to help artists. They wouldn't start a business where they're making money, right? <laughs> yeah. I I'm I, yeah I'm super I'm saddened by all those every new thing that comes out I'm just like it makes me sad but well, I, there's... I mean any I mean artists using that I mean more power to you if you can if, if it if it means that you're doing something you want to do and people and you're able to get support for it that's great you know but it doesn't work I don't think it works for me probably yeah watch me start a Patreon tomorrow but um, <laughs> but i don't think it really would work for me because i don't actually produce large enough i don't want to actually i don't want to make i'm not looking for new um avenues of like making product i mean product yeah. well where how, how did that totally um, yeah i guess that's how i think about it um yeah. i'm not looking for new like i don't i don't i don't know if i want to start um like you know my demos, I some I put them out sometimes when I want mm. to. I think they're interesting or I'm proud of them. I'm not looking for like more, um, more reasons to do that. I don't want to make more stuff. It's kind of like going back to what you're saying about yeah. like the Spotify CEO saying like you guys just need to like step it up and make more product. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I don't think I can really probably make any more than I'm making. I kind of like, I like the amount that I make. Also. I just also feel like there's too much in the world already. So I'm trying to limit it. But um, if people, I mean, like doing, for example, like this, I like talking about, I like the sec some of the secondary um, stuff around the work. And like, um, I'm happy to 
generate more media. If, yeah, if it, yeah. If it's enjoyable for people to listen to, and if it's enjoyable for me to do, but totally the Patreon, I felt like I would just be like kind of cranking out more. It's a job. Yeah, it's totally a job. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, that's Pod- cool though. Podcasting is fun for me because it's not music. Mm-hmm. And but it can still be about music, but I'm not like having to like sell uh, yeah. or like I don't have to write a song every week and put it out for me to feel like I'm I'm, you know, because it's so hard to feel like I'm not doing anything this year. But now yeah. I feel like I'm do I am doing something I'm talking and honestly reconnecting with people and just talking to people feels really good because yeah. I haven't talked to a lot of people except for like my I family, know. like, yeah. you know, and my girlfriend. So so just like talking to people. And I think like Jerry, Jerry Paper last week was the first person I talked to who I ha- didn't know at all. Yeah. So that was like really a learning step. And, and I, I don't know, just getting, just learning how to get better at doing this is, has been really fun and challenging for me. Yeah. Um, and it's free. I'm not charging people for this. It's just a. That's, I, yeah. That's the other thing about, about Patreon too. I mean, yeah, that's great that the podcast is free. Yeah. I'm not, okay. So like, I don't think there's anything wrong with people asking for money or saying that their work is worth, that their time and their work is worth money. It, it is. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I didn't like about Patreon, Patreon, is the um i just was thinking about okay like okay like so for example like i didn't do instagram for a long time and then i started a couple years ago and i realized you know that um in a way okay it's i'm not monetizing these things that i'm putting up there but i am quant i am quant quantify or making it's generating statistics yeah that help um that in you know, in the long run, lead to theoretically money, yeah, or whatever. And um, and I just was thinking how like, oh man, Patreon is like just yet another way to quantify and monetize every little thing that I do. And it's like as if Instagram wasn't bad enough. Mm-hmm. Now it's like like every single aspect of what I do, from my demos to my you know, just like like if I write up a a chart now. You know, for my for a song for me just to play it while I'm recording for another musician to play it. Like as I'm making this chart, I'm thinking like, oh, this got to make it you know look good because I might want to take a picture of it and put it on Instagram. Yeah. Or like if you're doing if you're doing a Patreon, I'm like, oh, I might want to sell this. It's just like at what point do we put our foot down? And like, it, will there be any aspect of our lives left that is not monetized? Totally. In five years, ten years, twenty years. I mean, the way we're headed, it seems like no. Every single thing we do is monetized yep. and, quant- and quantified, yep. and um, and so I just, I just wanted to, I want to just raise that point for everybody that's that's doing, that's involved in all these things. Just like think about where your limits are. Mm-hmm. Have a limit. Have a limit because you have a limit. Have, you need to have some parts of your life that are just yours. Totally, that's I it. completely yeah. agree. So it's, it, I get so, it's like, it's. It's um, it can drive you. It can really, really get you down thinking about it. Totally, and you should definitely have things that are just yours, and and just I don't know, and realize that it's okay to take breaks. You know, it's like okay. constantly having to grind and constantly having to post up. I haven't posted anything on Instagram in like two, two or three weeks because I needed the break. You know, yeah. I went I went pretty hard last month, and we're about to release a new song, yeah. so it's like I'm gonna have to post a lot next yeah. month. So. Take the next two weeks off, man, because 
I don't know. And it's still fun. It's just also a big thing I've been doing is just posting and dropping the phone. Uh-huh. Don't look at it. Don't look if it's getting likes, if it's like monitoring the, right. the stats. Like I, I drop it. Yeah. I drop it. I move on. I do something new. I video edit or something. It's harder and harder to do. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. it was easy when I first started doing social media. Um, Cause like I didn't, I never made a Facebook or I mean, I didn't make, wait, did I make a Facebook? I'm trying to remember. Oh, no, no. Capture tracks made me make a Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> but just, okay, like, I mean, my point is, as I started doing it, at the beginning, I was like, I didn't even think about, like, um, I would post something and then not even look at it. I didn't even understand social media. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, like, an, like an old person that doesn't understand it. Um, it's funny, you know. Mm-hmm. Looking back on myself, it was funny. And now it's like, I feel like it's hard to get, it, it's hard to get back to that, that mindset. Um but then again, you know, I don't know, like if you don't have your phone for a couple of days, it's it also like you can revert back pretty easily, I guess, to like yeah. being like, oh, actually, I don't really need this thing. But yeah, it's brutal. I think we should all just um, just really, I hope we can check ourselves. And, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, yeah. Did you watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix? Did you watch that docu- documentary? No, I don't even know. It's, I'm glad. I don't know. Oh, I don't good. Know. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, it's this documentary around like several people who worked at who used to work at Facebook and Twitter and all these things and they're just exposing literally how it works and and how it affects you mentally and how it's all purposely okay. done through notifications and uh-huh. stuff that I knew already but I think it's interesting that yeah. it's like it's like really eye opening for people they're like oh my god this is happening yeah. but like me working I worked in marketing like social media marketing okay. and I helped small businesses in Santa Barbara like. I knew that already. Like, if you ever create a Facebook ad, you see you could target people by age, location, interests. Yeah. Like, it gets really scary. Yeah, we're all just being turned into like little Nazis, you know? Oh yeah, it, it's you're. That's the future. I mean, I mean, um, so I mean, like music. I think it should be, it should be uh, a way to slow that down, not speed it yeah, up. Totally. You know. Yeah. So that's amazing. Okay, we will share music without. Um, yeah. Okay. So, like, this is the question. I'm yeah. just gonna put it out here to you and to everybody and to myself. And I don't know the answer. Like, the question <laughs> is, how do we share music? How do we make music and sh- and share? How do we use it as a between each other? Um, how do we how do we do that without um, without without involving money yet also um, getting getting the getting paying our rent and eating food mm, yeah um, like how do we how do we how do we do it um how do we take how do we take it for ourselves yeah it's i, I, I i'm like i just feel like we're uh, do we yes my first i'm trying to think i'm thinking here so i can give you a great answer uh and mm-hmm. I, this is not a definitive answer this is just off yeah. the top of my head so you have to kind of go backwards to go forwards. So maybe email lists. So it's not social media. You have to, it's just an email list. I can just blast you with, you know, there's like a big texting community thing now where you just like text people. But even then I think they charge you to fucking do that. But if there was like a phone number, you could just text everyone. Hey, here's my new song. Listen to it here. And then that link takes you to something that's on your website. Yeah. Um, and just streamlining it where you do everything on your own, your websites, 
your own. It, that might take a little bit of coding, but like maybe it's not even a crazy website. It's just a landing page. Mm-hmm. Here's the music. That's are you, are it. You selling, are you selling your music? Am I selling my music? No, not, I mean, I mean oh. in that scenario, oh, like, oh, oh, oh. like you're sending people to a Bandcamp page where they can... Not even a band camp. You put your music natively on your on oh, chriscohen.com. Okay. okay. And then, but then I guess, so is the idea that you're, I mean, obviously you're, you want to share your music for, for personal reasons. Yeah. To, to communicate with your culture. But um, do you, like, do you want to be, um, do you want to be supported? Yeah. Like, financially? you know, that's the question. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely think the musicians are necessary and should be supported. But I don't know, I guess I always keep going back to this idea of like, people should just make music for themselves. And um, like the idea of like folk music and um, and people like, maybe maybe it's not about reaching, you know, outside of your immediate community, but like if everybody could make music for themselves and didn't need to, if music was taken out of the marketplace and it was something that we all had time to do. Like if we were able to, have more time outside of our survival mode of like working, making food, paying, or, you know, survival mode. Yeah. If we had time outside of that to just make music for our own enjoyment and for our own culture. Yeah. That sort of like pre-industrial thing. Is that, is that what we're, is, is that what I'm hoping for? I don't know. <laughs> That's, I'm, still, it's like tough. I said before, I'm still hooked on this kind of like peak capitalism idea of like, where music stayed ahead of the curve and like yeah strokes were getting you know or, or or even before that in the 1950s when there were like independent record labels that actually made money or something like i'm still hooked on that idea but like maybe what I, maybe what it really is is like going back to the um pre-industrial music world i'm yeah going backwards to go forwards that's why that's, I mean, that's what i could see yeah maybe your idea of the email list it's just like streamlining everybody like do i need like this is a thought i had the other day i was like do i need a link tree you know those link trees where it's a landing i was like or can i just do that on my own website that i'm already paying for so i just figured out how to do that so now i just send people directly to my website Uh and then the first page on my website is the links like you know click on this for the you know apple music spotify whatever so yeah that that's my first baby step of like oh can i just put my own music on but, but then how do I monetize that? I don't know. <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, they're good questions. It's, I think it's um, it's good they were talking about it. I definitely don't, I don't have the answer. No, but, no I don't think anyone I think, does, but... I know that I really don't like the way things are going. I know that, I know that most people don't. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Like, in most industries, you know, uh, someone's always gonna you know someone's getting paid at the top and then it just gets lower and lower and lower the only problem problem is that we're the product but we're more than just products we're people we're people products and that's where it gets hurtful you know yeah and also i mean in some senses um like we are also consumers who are who are paying for the experience of being a musician yeah we are like we're like being sold like if you look at the explosion of like you know, Sweetwaters and all the like, all the um, home recording stuff that's geared towards basic, or, or like, for example, the um, industry of like um, tour, um, like, you know, renting tour bands and 
renting, uh, yes. you know, like tour management, um, rental gear. And then like, it's basically like, I think that, we, that now we are like paying for this experience of being, we, we're like, it's like we're taking a music vacation when we go on tour. Oh yeah. And we're also generating money for all these other people. <laughs> Yeah, the, the booking agent gets 10%. Everyone gets like yeah. 10%. I mean, they're all working and they should get, I and mean, I'm not saying like, you know. Yeah, saying, yeah. I'm just saying it's weird how like, it's weird how it seems like we're being sold this like, this experience of being yeah. a musician. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like it's flipped completely. Yeah. Anyway. It's crazy. It's very yeah. crazy. Uh, we, we still love music. Yeah, I still, you know, I still love music. I still love sitting down that roads and trying to make something, you know. Um, yeah. I, I, I try not to think about like the idea of like singles or hits. I just th think about what feels good. But for yeah. me, I love good pop. I love like pop songs. So I do try to write songs that feel like singles, but I don't th go into it. Like, what's your thought process when you're sitting down? Like, you're not thinking of singles. Like, what are you thinking of? Like, oh, I'm that's yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to like excite myself. Yeah. I'm trying to like. Um, it's just like a fantasy of like, like pretending like I'm a great composer. Yeah, <laughs> I say that piano. I'm like, I'm I'm Beethoven. Yeah. Well, never mind that I'm like completely fucking up like ninety nine percent of the time and not doing what I want to do. But it's yeah. But it's like I'm just pretending. Like, I know that while I keep doing it, I'm accumulating these little pieces that I'm going to put together later. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm just just trying to find cool weird shit that i haven't heard before that that uh that i would want to i would want to hear i'm trying to make the music that i think doesn't exist yet and it's yeah. usually combining elements of things that i that i've heard or respect or did you find it um hard yeah. because your music is so different that like that this is something i get all the time like people don't know where to place you do you have you heard anything like that well, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think that anyone, I, I feel like I'm not getting placed where I think I should be placed, mm -hmm. but I'm, I do feel like, like I get people, I feel like I've been placed in a certain, um, genre that I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel connected to, but like, I feel, I mean, you know, like every, the three records that I've, that I've made on, under my own name have been pretty, have been labeled, get labeled the same kind of things a lot. Um, but to me, it's, you know, I think it could fit in a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with any of it. I mean, I'm totally. I usually whatever they say is probably partly true, but I'm always like, I always wish that people would hear like um, the parts of my music that are based on, you know, improvisation and jazz and classical music. And yeah. Folk music and R&B and, you know, like I, I just, um, I don't care about categories much really anyway, totally. but, but uh, I, I kind of, yeah, I wish that I kind of wish my music would get picked up on as being a little bit more. I wish people, I wish people would think it was prog. Prog? Like, prog. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Um, yeah. I wish people thought it was more like technically impressive than it is. I think, I think cause I try to make it, I try to make music that is like technically interesting to me, but then also maybe kind of like what you're saying about pop music. I want it to be something pretty simple that, accessible appreciate it on any, any level but i feel like my failure is it, it always defaults to 
or I mean, I feel like it's my failure because I feel like it's usually just reads to people as being um, like, you know, simple indie, mm. indie rock. Yeah. And um, that's fine, you know, but I don't, I don't actually listen to that much music that's like that or, or see myself in that historical context. Yeah. But that's probably is where I go historically totally. yeah. <laughs> because of my, my age and who I am and where I'm from and everything. That's probably an accurate yeah. description. But, you know, a lot of indie rockers like, like classical music and some of and stuff. Well, my first thought was definitely jazz and, and I didn't say the word prog, but like, I definitely yeah. hear it now, you know, yeah. and, and what is your relationship with prog music and jazz music? Is that definitely what you listen to the most growing up or is this a new thing? Oh no. Yeah. It's, um, I feel like in, in high school. Okay. Well, I wasn't, I, I started listen, listening to jazz, um, you know, as a, like as a teenager and, um, started like in when i was in high school um yeah like another musical mentor um this guy jason Krauss, he was like turning on to all this like prog and crowd rock and stuff mm-hmm. um and uh just out out there kind of shit um and yeah so like that's you know my when i was in my teenage years i really that my music was going to be like the craziest prog music ever mm-hmm. but you know but then i also but then i got i mean i also love pop music so um so yeah i, I guess um i see myself as kind of a hack prog person because yeah. i'm not really musically trained i'm not i didn't go to school for music yeah and i don't i don't like read staff notation very well and um but yeah i like i like fancy chords and fancy rhythms cool and i like things that come at you unexpected and changes and, you know, and I, um, with jazz music, um, I'm a total hack. I can't like solo over changes, or, <laughs> yeah. but I love jazzy chords. And I like, I like to take apart elements of jazz and put them in my music. Um, I'm, I don't see myself as part of that historical idiom. Um, but I'm a fan and yeah. I, I listen to jazz a lot. Um, and, uh, all kinds of jazz. And, um, and uh, I, I always go back to it for inspiration and um, feel like it's that is music that really is like close to my, my core. Mm. Who who are some of your prog people? Like uh, I was obsessed with King Crimson in high school. King Crimson? Yeah. That yeah, was like my I, band. I, really, I definitely listened to In the Core of the Crimson King a lot. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and Red. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's see here. I'm right by my record collection. You can... Oh, sweet. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Um, okay, so here, here's rock. I don't know if you, how, okay, if you can see. I can see. Uh, there's a lot of Beach Boys. Cool. There's a lot of Captain Beefheart. Um, there's some of my records. Are they in alphabetical so order? So far, there's not a lot of prog in there. Um, uh, which, okay, what prog? What can I go for prog? Um, this isn't prog, but, um, or like, uh, let's see. I was, I was really into this kind of shit when I was in, uh, in my oh, 20s. Nice. Yeah. Um, let's see. I don't know, you know, like, 
here's the only prod credibility we have so far. There you go. Um, Which record's that? Um, this is Udu Udu. Oh, nice. I have a lot of magma on my computer. I don't have a lot of vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, I don't know. The, the big prod stuff, I was super into Amandul. Mm. Um, super into like Can and Faust. Oh, nice. Um, I think I only have one Can record on LP. Um, but yeah, like, you know, as far like with home recording, where's my camera? Um, <laughs> I didn't lose that. Um, yeah, with home recording, it's like, I felt like it, I think it's, um, that's like, uh, where I'm coming from was kind of cutting and pasting Yeah. and, um, being able to take improvisations and turn them into songs. Cool. And take things, you know, with for me, like since I can't really necessarily do real prog, like I can't, re I can't write something down and play it exactly the same way. Uh, recording, I can do something crazy complicated mm -hmm. by accident, record it, and then learn it by rote from the recording, and that's kind of like. So I guess I approach prog through like a Captain B part, yeah, um, process of recording improvisations and then learning them. Um, so that's, yeah, I think that's where I'm coming from with the prog. I'm also, oh, I'm a big fan of like Soft Machine and um, Pink Floyd and kind of like the, that oh, British, man. like, um, like national health. The Sid Barrett stuff? Sid Barrett. Like the early. Yeah, I, I always, I feel like I'll never, I'll never outgrow Sid Barrett. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been listening to him since I was a teenager. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of my songwriting like I mean, he was probably the probably really um, one of my first um, songwriting heroes, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like I'll never I'll never stop listening to Sidbury. Oh yeah, the first time you listen to like Baby Lemonade, it all kind of changes. Like yeah. I think I was like 18 when I first heard that. I was like, oh, because I loved like Dark Side of the Moon, and then you're like, oh, this okay. is Pink Floyd, and then someone's like, no, this was Pink Floyd, and it's like, oh, yeah, kind of starts you up yeah yeah but yeah definitely prog i definitely love i think maybe that was just a drummer thing i don't know a lot of people love yeah. prog but i feel like drummers really gravitate to prog and jazz and because it gets excited that's like really exciting like heavy drum shit right i mean drummers get to get to you know get, that, get the flex up. yeah exactly. <laughs> well that's amazing man is uh i do have to, i i don't want to cut this conversation short oh, but no, no, i do <laughs> But is there anything else you want to talk about? What's the best way to support Chris Cohen? Oh, thank you. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I guess buy my records when they come out. Yeah. Or listen to me on Spotify. Yeah, there you go. No, because, I mean, seriously, I think that actually... Um, oh, no, yeah, put me in your playlist on Spotify. I would there appreciate you go. Because, um, unfortunately, all the record business... People, I'm told that's what they look at. Our playlist. They look at your Spotify stats. Mm. And mine, um, I don't know. I'm sure they're fine. But but I feel like if you wanted to support me right now, just listen to my music. Yeah. That's all. Or, or, don't, or I don't know. You don't need to support me. I'm doing all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I love it. I love when people have specific things, you know? Or if you, or, yeah, or um, actually, you know what? This is kind of like my Patreon. Okay. Is, um, 
people people hire me to to do producing for them. Oh, so sometimes that I mean that's how I make a living. I don't make a living from my music. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So if somebody's a musician and wants to hire me, that's always helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, oh, that's cool. Well, no, I love when people have specific ones because I ask that at the end of every podcast, and people are always like, uh, "I don't know." I'm just like, "This is your time. <laughs> Say it." <laughs> so I love when they get really specific. So yeah, Spotify playlist is huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been playing uh, uh, video games on Twitch, and I have oh. a spot. Yeah, and I have like a playlist, and I'll just play like my friends' music. So I'll I'll put you on the list. Oh, right on. Thank you. Maybe two people watch me. I haven't really promoted <laughs> yet. I haven't promoted it all yet. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> um, well, yeah, dude. Thank you so much for thanks so much for being on. Oh yeah, this was fun. Thanks for yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, nice to see you, <laughs> yeah, nice to see you again too. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we get the hopefully I get to see you live again. Likewise. I love, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope we can play. Yeah, let's do it. I'm very down. <laughs> okay, cool, man. All right. Let's, Have a good day. You too. Yeah. Bye bye. Hey, and before I go, that was Chris Cohen. Thank you, everyone, for watching the podcast. Oh, what a crazy episode. Don't see the rest of my room. That was the rest of the episode. Thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, It's over. It's all over. Big thank you to Andrew E. Roth, Ashley Brinkley, Joseph Hallow for supporting the podcast. We talked a little about about Patreon on there, but... uh, Uh, You guys are my rock. Thank you so much. Thanks for sticking around towards the end. Uh, I don't know how I feel about intros, but I do like the outro. What do you think of the outro? Let me know in the comments what you think of the outro. Uh, I might like it better than the intro. Maybe I'll put the wide lens on because this is way too fucking close.